Well, hey, what's going on to all of my interwebs friends? Welcome once again to the Everyday Missionary Podcast, where we are trying to figure out, man, how do we bring Jesus into the real everyday fabric of life in a way that is authentic to his message, his person, his mission for us, uh, and frankly, does it in a way that probably rubs us all a little wrong, because if there's anything I've learned about studying the life of Jesus and trying to emulate that life is that uh, what I want to do and what he wants me to do, two very different things sometimes, and all the more it kind of rubs us wrong, but in all the right ways, right? Because it makes us more like him, and that's really the journey that we are on. And so um, that's what this podcast is all about. And this is episode 208. And what's nice about today's episode is that it is not as messy in some ways as some of the stuff we've recently been up to. And so last week I dealt with deconstructionism, and if you did not listen to that podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, it was about 50 minutes, so a little longer than some of our normal stuff. But I think there was some ideas in there that are really important, I think, especially in the current climate where we are go- we're probably going to hear a lot more about those who are deconstructing faith and or deconstructing their evangelicalism or deconstructing their upbringing or whatever it is. And it's easy to want to just kind of have a reaction to that as opposed to say, hey, there may be some good in there. There may be some bad in there. And no matter how you slice it, it's just the journey or pe- that people are on. And from that, we want to be uh, thoughtful in the context of what that journey is and understanding of the fact that sometimes in the process of deconstruction, uh, people walk away from the faith. But if we're not the kind of people that create safe space to return to, then they may never return. And so again, that's why that topic is sort of dear to my heart. Before that, I interviewed my wife on the purity culture, which is in part what's led to some of the deconstruction. And if you didn't listen to that, I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode as well. But we're not talking about deconstruction. We're not talking about a brokenness in the purity culture today. No, I'm dealing with something completely different, way more lighthearted. Now, I wasn't going to. Well, I shouldn't say it's lighthearted. It may be heavy-hearted, but you'll see in a minute. So, Anyway, uh, I wasn't going to do that originally. Uh, I have a number of topics I kind of keep on uh, my computer as far as like, oh, I'll hit this or I'll hit that. And and so I was thinking about dealing with the subject matter of now listening to fellow Christians talk about my body, my choice, which is a super weird concept to me. Like we spent the last four decades trying to combat that and now we're embracing that over a vaccine and like, man, I think that needs to get thought through a little bit more. Uh, maybe I'll deal with that here in the future because I've been wanting to deal with that one for about, I don't know, two months now. It's been on my list. So I thought about that. I thought about dealing with things with Afghanistan right now and how we need to really look at that. So that was something I kind of considered. There was some stuff as far as how we should read the Bible and I was going to do that. And instead, I decided to scrap all of that and deal with this simple topic that frankly, here's what I'm starting to look at with my life. I can't wait to die. (laughs) Doesn't that sound delightful for a podcast? Matt can't wait to die. And here's what I mean by that. I'm not looking to uh, go out anytime soon, really. I'm not planning anything. I don't want you to be like, does he need medication? Does he need intervention? Does he need a hug? Do we need to bring him dinners for a while? Like, you know, what does he need here? Now, here's what I've been thinking about on this one. And this will be a relatively short podcast today to bless all of our souls, including my own. But um, I've been thinking about this in relationship to uh, intellectual blindness or um, not even intellectual blindness, maybe just overall personal blindness. And what I mean by that is that I'm increasingly aware of the fact that I am a creature of environment. I'm a creature of uh, upbringing. I'm a creature of uh, 
certain cultural pressures. I'm a creature of a, a general societal structure that drives a lot of my thinking, actions, reactions, interpretive process, whatever else on the things of life. And in there, there is this reality that I'm probably um, wrong on a number of things. In fact, I love to say from an old friend of mine named Corey that I know less than half of everything. And if I know less than half of everything, it means I'm wrong on a great many things. And I was thinking about that in relationship to being a Christian and a pastor, a teacher and a theologian, where I was just like, man, I wonder where I'm wrong. Because if I knew where I was wrong, I would change where I was wrong and I would adopt something different. Because I don't know where I'm wrong, I continue to maintain probably some wrong thinking, wrong practices, wrong perspectives, because I think I'm right. And so about a week and a half ago, I was out on my back porch, I was reading a book, and I'm like, gosh, what if I'm really wrong on some things? Like, really, really wrong. Uh what are the consequences of that? And so to give you kind of an example of where my headspace was at the time, uh, I was reading something that was kind of articulating the difference between Calvinism and Arminianism and and how, you know, the Calvinist has a view of atonement that is uniquely different than an Arminian and their view of atonement. Now, if you're not familiar with these labels, you know, the Calvinist believes that God is pretty much in control of who's getting saved and not saved. The Arminian thinks it's more of an open kind of free will decision that gets made within the individual. Uh, And then in that, how Jesus uh, dealt with atonement is different. For the Calvinist, Jesus died on a cross 2,000 years ago only for those who would be saved. For the Arminian, Jesus died on a cross for everybody, therefore giving the potential to be saved. But then from that, people have to believe or not believe, and that's kind of the route to salvation as well, right? So again, in the ultimate scope of theology, it is, uh, you know, a, a a fork in the road with a fork in the road with a fork in the road with another fork in the road and way down to the end of a bunch of forks in the road, we have Calvinism and Arminianism, right? So that takes out the whole Protestant thing, Catholic thing, Eastern Orthodox thing. It's just like, it's this, you know, kind of in the big picture, a very small kind of focused topic, but I was thinking about it nonetheless, right? And I was thinking about it from the perspective of, uh, one of those is wrong, you know, and in that they they have divergent views of what the atonement does. And one of those is really wrong. Like this is why sometimes there's tension between Arminians and Calvinists on these topics, because they're looking at the other side going, how can you think that? And I'm kind of like, the oddity is one of those sides is really wrong. And what if I'm the one that's really, really wrong, right? And not just on that topic, but any number of other Christian topics, you know? It's like, what if I'm wrong on some things that I hold as deep convictions or orthodox concepts? Or, you know, what if the Eastern Orthodox Church is more right and we Protestants are wrong? Because we are the Johnny-come-latelys, right? It's like, was the church really wrong for 1,500 years until Martin Luther decided to pitch a fit, start a fight, and kind of create a whole movement out of it? Like, Like, what is that? Now, I'm not raising all these questions just to be the question asker, but I just found myself having this moment of existential crisis of what if we're wrong on some of these Christian theological evangelical details? Or what if we're wrong on the way we approach our society? What if we're wrong 
even when it comes to the founding bedrock of our culture? What if there's things that we do that are creating attitudes or dispositions or areas of emphasis or things of pride or whatever, and we're just radically wrong on a number of things? Not everything, but again, if I know less than half of everything, the odds are I'm wrong on at least half of everything at some point in some way in the details of something. Now, this wasn't causing me to then say, I just want to end my life. No, I said, I can't wait to die to find out where I'm wrong. Because again, this didn't create a burden of despair in me. This created something different, which was this profound sense of appreciation for grace, right? And this profound sense of what the gospel does is says, you know what? I rescue you and I, I deal with all of your sinful mess, your ignorance, your arrogance, your blind perspectives. All of that is covered by the work of the cross and by the work of grace. And it must be so because if it was anything where it was how right I am or wrong I am, that was the measuring standard of my salvation, I'm not saved. And moreover, no one is saved because no one gets it completely right. In fact, I'm not sure how right any of us quite get all of the details on everything that pertains to the things of God and life and gospel and kingdom. We're all going to have blind spots. We're all going to be flawed in a number of ways. We're all going to feel the pressure to conform to whatever our social climate is and not to violate the taboos of that climate. Because again, there is just this baked in thing that says, you know, our group is the most right. Our tribe is the most accurate. And if you veer from that, you're going into a less than accurate framework for life and everything else. And again, as I was just kind of looking at all of this, I'm like, but who really gets it completely right? And in that, while we should have the burden of wanting to grow, to be more refined, to see things more clearly, that should be coupled to a profound sense of humility in the process, a profound sense of seeking the depths of the spirit to work in our hearts and minds and lives, asking him to give us the dispositions that he embodies so that we can continue to grow in truth in such a way that the fruit of truth will come out in our lives, which is being much more like Jesus and a whole lot less like religion or ethics, or a certain moral framework, or a certain societal structure, whatever else. No, it always comes back to looking like Jesus. And so I was just really profoundly moved by this concept of like, man, I'm probably flawed in many more ways that I am consciously aware of. Uh, Many of those flaws I will go to my grave with, uh, many of those flaws, according to First Peter chapter or First uh, Corinthians chapter three, will be burned off in some process. I don't understand. It sounds like Protestant purgatory to me a little bit when I read First Corinthians three. I don't know what that's all about. I just know there's some kind of purging, and it burns off all of my crud, uh, and then uh, whatever is left over is the pure stuff that is rewarded. And I was like, therefore, because I'm so indebted to grace. I'm so moved by the work of Christ to overcome all of my conscious and unconscious flaws that I will go to the grave with, and he will still be faithful to then burn off the rest even after I die. Man, from that, I just can't wait to find out where were all the places I was wrong. And then in light of that, what it caused me to do is snap back into the present and say, and because I'm probably wrong in so many places, I want to be much more humble as I interact in this world. 
I want to be much more dependent on God to guide me as I wrestle with scripture, as I wrestle with how scripture interacts with culture, as I wrestle with scripture and culture as it pertains to mission and kingdom. And I want to make sure that the disposition of my life is less uh, kind of this, I know it all, or we know best, or we evangelicals are closest to the pin on all things pertaining to truth. Instead, I want to be like, you know what? I want to honor you, Jesus. I want to sift your scriptures daily. I want to wrestle with the Holy Spirit in the context of that. I don't want to march out the other side of a time in your word and think I've got all the answers, but rather, I would rather march outside coming out the other side of the word and say, I probably have more questions. And therefore, I want to comb the depths of the spirit more to help reveal what it is that I'm supposed to understand in that. And more importantly, what I'm supposed to do based on that. And so this little crisis I had on my back porch, pondering Calvinism and Arminianism and certain theories of atonement, led me down to this path again of saying, man, what I don't know, I don't know, but I'm glad that Jesus knows and in that Jesus forgives and in that Jesus will deal with those things. And one day I will stand before him and it really should be in a profound state of humility because I knew less than half of everything. And he'll say, you know what though? It's okay. It's okay. I dealt with that too. I fixed that too. I gave myself for that too. I purged that too. See, for me, that's very liberating. But it also reminds me of my disposition again, that what it should be in the world is not marching around like I know it all. Not marching around, not even just on theological topics, like social topics, life topics. I mean, there's this this tendency, I think, sometimes for us as evangelicals to think that because we are so um, committed to the truth and we should be, the unfortunate assumption is we're the ones that best see the truth in all facets of life. We have the greatest clarity when it comes to how a society should run. We have the greatest clarity on how the medical industry operates. We have the greatest clarity on how the political climate globally should operate. Like we, we feel like we're almost having to be like most accurate on everything. And then sometimes we come across as though we know more than everybody else or we're smarter than everybody else. And in reality, we read a Bible that says you are actually not nearly as smart as you think you are. And real wisdom is to actually admit that truth. And from that, you're all the more dependent on the spirit to teach you the deep things of God. And I think if we're learning the deep things of God, where that's going to come out in our life is a transformed life with a humble disposition that loves God and loves our neighbor and loves our enemy in profound ways, because that is the stuff of the kingdom. And I think if we do that more, that we realize that we know less than half of everything, we are throwing ourselves on the teaching of the Spirit in our lives as we wrestle with Scripture and culture and life and complexity and emotion and everything else. The more we're doing that, the more we're in the sweet spot where Jesus can do profound things in our lives and through our lives. And from that, we will be incredibly powerful, useful, and compelling every day missionaries.